This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, we're going to start Parshas Vayeshev. Perek Lametes Pasachov. Now this is going to be an awesome Parsha. First of all, Parsha Vayeshev has everything in it. There's literally everything in it. From the beginning to the end, it's just an unbelievable Parsha. But this Pasach is filled with Midrashim, literally filled with Midrashim from beginning to end. It says, Vayikach Adone Yosef Oso. The master of Yosef took him. This is after his wife, Zleika. Aishas Potiphar, is, her name is Zleika. After Zleika accused Yosef of doing something terrible to her. So, so the master of Yosef took him. And he placed him in jail. The place where the prisoners of the king were kept. And he was there in that jail. So, obviously something sounds wrong here. Did Potiphar believe that Yosef did what he did? Did Potiphar believe that Yosef did something wrong with his wife? If so, then he should have been executed. A slave that does something like that to his master's wife should immediately be executed. That's the law of the slaves, and that makes a ton of sense. On the other hand, if he didn't believe his wife, then why in the world would he be thrown in jail? Why would he be so angry? It says in the puzzle before that he got angry at Yosef Atari. Why would he be angry? That seems a strange thing to do. Why would he be angry about something that you know isn't true? So we have a lot here. This sworn of the Panayach Raz and the Moshe Zikadim says he did not believe his wife at all. The Balitoses are all of this opinion. He did not believe his wife at all. The Shach adds that Potiphar knew that a Malach was with Yosef at all times. He could see the Malach. And he knew that the Malach was with him even after Potiphar, Potiphar's wife had made that accusation. He knew there was no way that Yosef could have done what he was being claimed to do. But he had to put him in jail because otherwise there were going to be rumors about what happened with his wife. He wanted to put Yosef in jail to put the blame on Yosef, even though he knew he didn't do anything because of the honor of his wife itself. Otherwise, she would be known as a liar who had seduced her own servant. And therefore, he agreed to have Yosef put in jail, but he continued to use Yosef for his finances. He went to Yosef and asked him to take care of his things, even when Yosef was in jail itself. Obviously, there was also the issue of his children as well. If people would start accusing Ishes Potiphar of trying to be with Yosef, then who knows if Potiphar's kids were actually his. And in fact, the Gemara says it's possible that they weren't his because he was a Swiss, etc. But regardless, says those we've shown him, that's why he did what he did. He did not believe her, but he didn't have a choice. Those nine Latoris says he didn't bring Yosef to the courts at all. This was never brought into basin. He was so important and high up in the kingdom of Potiphar that he was allowed to just say what he wanted to do and the court executed it. That's it. They did whatever he wanted them to do. Yosef was placed in jail without a fair trial, without a trial at all. Nothing happened to him. Whether they believed him or not is immaterial. It didn't matter. Nonetheless, he stayed around. Potiphar stayed around Yosef and went to him, etc. He didn't want to lose the bracha that his household had received on account of Yosef. And he knew about that bracha. He didn't want to lose it because of that. However, there is a Tzorah Mor. The Tzorah Mor says that the word Vayikach, the word Vayikach Adonai Yosef was so that the master of Yosef took him. Vayikach means Potiphar took him away from all the calculations. He knew that Yosef was going to be put in jail. He wouldn't be able to help him out with all the calculations that he needed. And therefore, because of that, he took him away and handed it over to some other workers of his and took all that stuff away. That's Vayikach. That's what he took. He didn't take Yosef. He took all the calculations away from him so that he would be able to do it himself. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, uh, he doesn't think so. The wording in Targum Unklis translates Vayit Nehu, and he put him into jail. He says, Umane. 
He appointed him in jail, not by Yahweh, and he placed him in jail. The word that should be there for uncle is, it's umane. That shows that he never believed his wife, says Yaakov Kamenetsky. He only did to preserve her honor. And the Vayikach is something else entirely. Vayikach Adam, HaKadosh Baruch who took Adam, and he placed him, Vayitneu began Eden, and placed him in Gan Eden. Says Rashi, he took him with beautiful words and convinced him that Gan Eden was the place where he was supposed to be. Vayikach is to convince somebody with words. Remember Vayikach Korach? Vayikach Korach. What did Korach take? Rashi says, Mekach Rala Atmo. Vayikach is he convinced people to join him with words, telling them this is a good idea. Potiphar went to Yosef and said, I'm going to tell you why I think this is a good idea. I know it sounds ridiculous to throw you in jail when I know you're innocent, but let me explain to you why I think it's a good idea and convinced him with words to do it over here. The Abar Benel says, it's so far, he didn't believe his wife at all. He got angry not at Yosef. He got angry at his wife. Says the Abar Benel, he purposely wanted to put Yosef aside and put him in a place in his personal holding cell. The Abar Benel says it may have been in his house where he placed him, and eventually he moved him on to the jail for the kings themselves. He did this in some way in which he knew, he knew that Yosef was innocent, and he purposely did it. He wanted to keep him, and in a different way, he was angry with his wife. Why was he angry with his wife? Rav Schwab says that not was, he wasn't near any murderers or thieves or other people of the lower parts of society when he was thrown into jail. That never happened. He was continued to be known as Adone Yosef. This is Adone Yosef. He was the master of Yosef even while he's throwing him in jail and made sure that he was still around. But what happened? Says Rabbeinu Yosef, Yosef Nechami Kodnitzer, this is the grandson of the Chassam Sofer. He says, Zleika knew she was in trouble here. Because think about this. She obviously had tried to get Yosef. Yosef said no. He ran outside. And he ran outside with his clothes left inside. So Yosef had gone outside He's unclothed completely. People knew something strange had happened, and they were going to ask Yosef what it was. So she had to come up with a quick cover story. Her quick cover story is she ran around to other people in the house and told them to spread a rumor that Yosef had tried to be together with her and not the other way around. So nobody would listen to Yosef's version of the events. So nobody would listen. they think that Yosef was coming afterward, that Yosef was making something up. She quickly ran around and said, this is what happened. Go tell everybody. And that's why it says in the Pusik before and lay more. That Zleika, Isha's Potiphar, told everybody, lay more. Say this to others. Tell this over to other people. Put it out on Twitter. I want it all over Facebook. This is what Yosef did to me. And she wanted it to be known by everybody. She wanted it to get out there. She even went to her husband with the plan and told him, knowing who he was and what he wanted to do, and said, lay more. Tell it to others. He got angry at her for making him want to lie about his servant, who had caused all this bracha to be in his household, he said, how in the world could I do that to Yosef? He was upset about such a thing. You want to ruin someone's life because you did something stupid? That's what he got angry at. But he realized, what else can I do? I'm, I'm, I'm stuck, said Yosef. I'm stuck in a corner. There's nothing else I can do over here. I know he's innocent, but I have no choice. That's how Rav Kurdnitzer says, that's what ended up happening in this case. The Orachayim HaKadosh says he wouldn't have done anything if his wife hadn't gone around telling everybody what had happened. He would have kept it quiet. 
he would have silenced it. Yes, his wife made a mistake. Yes, Yosef said no. He knew, he knew, but it wouldn't have mattered to him. He didn't want to kill Yosef over this. He wanted to hide it and not tell anyone, but he was angry at his wife for saying it out loud. Why wouldn't you keep such a scandal quiet? Keep it quiet. Don't worry about it. And because the public scandal came down, that's why he wanted to throw him in jail. And the shock says the exact same thing. He was angry about just trying to punish Yosef. For what? For what? Yosef didn't do anything wrong. The Meshachachma says that's exactly why he was placed in this jail, not the other one, the bad jail. So he, would, he wouldn't be able to talk to anyone else. Everyone has access to the regular jail. You can meet with a guy who's in jail at any point. You want to interview him, you can go interview him. If you're thrown in the king's jail, no one has access to that jail. You ever hear of the man in the iron mask? You ever hear that, right? I think they've made movies, books, whatever, right? There's supposedly there was a man who was completely, he was incarcerated, but nobody knew he existed. He was in some jail in a far, far-flung land. Nobody knows where he was originally. It's a, yeah, that's what they claim. They claim it was the king's brother, it was this and what. Everybody has this own claim of what this possibly could have been. This is what it means. The king's jail meant no one can speak to him. So Potiphar specifically put him there, says the Meshachachmas, and no one would ask him any questions. Because if they asked questions, they'd find out about his wife. If they found out about his wife, they would accuse his kids of not being his kids. So he kept them away from everybody else. Be a beautiful shot. But all of those basically come together. The Kiskuni says a different measure. He says at first they didn't execute him because there were no witnesses corroborating Potiphar's claim. That seems a little strange. But the second one is the following, Asia's Potiphar's claims. He brings another measure. Yosef was brought to trial. He was brought to trial before Paro. He met Paro. Paro, the king of Egypt at that time. And Gavriel came down. The Malach Gavriel came down in the form of a man and suggested check Potiphar's wife's clothing and Yosef's clothes. Whose clothes were ripped and where? That will tell you who is chasing after, who who is trying to do something bad to someone else. Check what had happened over there. If hers were torn, then he's lying. If his are torn, if hers are, if her, if his are torn, then she's lying. So they checked the clothes. And what do you think they found? His clothes were fine. Uh, her clothes, sorry, were fine. His clothes were ripped in half. When they saw that, they realized that Aishas Potiphar was lying. That's why they didn't put him to death. The priests decided to leave him alive. They throw him in jail because, again, he's still a slave. He has no rights. So they threw him in jail because he's a slave. He got thrown inside there, even though Zleika was wrong, but they wanted to spare her pain, spare her honor. To thank them for doing so, says the Chizkuni, when Yosef Atzadik moves everyone around in Mitzrayim, when he buys their land, he doesn't buy the land from the priests. He allows the Kohanim in Mitzrayim to keep their land. And that was Mita Kenegamita. They saved him. They saved his life. He saved them. He didn't let them die in the middle of the famine. Tzedel Lederach and Rechaim Paltiel bring this message as well. I want to point out, this measure shows clearly that Egypt was a land with civilized laws. Victor Miller says it's all over the place. But it's something that you can clearly see from this. Either they didn't have any adim to Aishas Potiphar's claim, so they didn't kill him, a slave. Or they saw, they wanted to see exactly what it would be with the clothing, and they believed it. Okay, yes, they had a problem because it's still a slave, but it was a civilized nation with regular adim, with regular ages in court, trying to see what you would do, what you wouldn't do. Clearly, there's something to it. 
that would help later on when the Jews came, that it would be the most civilized nation alive when it came to certain types of laws. Although the word Adonai here is written in plural, and it sounds like Adonai is in masters of Yosef, there's only one master of Yosef, it was just Potiphar. Rashi said earlier in Chofiud Gimel that masters are often called by a plural form, and that's why it's called Adonai and not Adon. That leads to the next Medrash. Targum Yonason said this, was, this decision was not made by Yosef alone, by Potiphar alone. Potiphar went to the necromancers, the astrologers, whatever they had in Mitzrayim, like the priests. He went to them and he said, I don't know what to do here. I don't trust my wife. On the other hand, I have Yosef at Sadiq. And here's what my wife did. His wife had placed the white of an egg on the bed to prove that Yosef had tried being with her. She had placed it down in the bed and made it look like Yosef had done something terrible. So the priests came up with a plan. They said, you can tell the difference between the white of an egg and Zerah by doing something, by using some type of burning instrument. If you burn it, then the white of an egg will burn, it will get blackened, while the Zerah will be pushed away. Try that and see what happens. They tried it. They saw that it was egg and not anything else. And therefore, they said he will not get killed. They couldn't corroborate the rest of the story of Asia's Potiphar. They saw that this was a fake, but they didn't know about the rest of it. So they threw him in jail and said, Targum Yonason brings that, Midrash Seichel Tov brings that. You should know, this is also a Gemara. Gittin Nun Zayinam brings down where a man accused his wife of being unfaithful to him in order to get out of paying her exorbitant ksuba. The ksuba was way too much and he didn't want to pay it. So he tried saying that my wife had done X, Y, and Z. What it... What did he do? He set up his best friend. Look at this horrible person. His best friend and his wife got them both drunk and then placed them on a bed and placed the white of an egg in between them to make it as if that they had been together. And in that, what ended up happening, says the Gemara and Gittin, they found it the same way. They burned it. They realized what it really was. And instead, they flogged him. They gave him Malchus. And then they made him pay the entire ksuba and divorce his wife. Right? Obviously, that was a terrible, terrible case. But that idea of where it comes from, where Targum Yonason and Medrash Seichel Tov get it from, is right there. That's Medrash number two. And then again, the Medrash Avkir. You probably have heard this one before. But Osnas, the daughter of possibly Dina and Shechem, maybe the daughter of Potiphar, is the one who saved Yosef. Zleika asked her friends for advice, according to the Medrash Avkir. She ran to her friends and said, what do I do? I'll tell you what happened. Yosef... I, I tried to get Yosef. Yosef said no. Now what do I do? What am I supposed to do? They suggested that she tells her husband so he would be thrown in jail and then he would be even more desperate to her advances. She still wanted to get Yosef. That's what was happening here. So she's like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get him? What do I do? So throw him in jail, they said. Make him desperate. Make him absolutely desperate so that he has to say yes. Throw him in jail again. So he said, he ran up to him and said, so you do the same. You should do the exact same thing. You go ahead and do that. You do that along with me. So you'll accuse Yosef of doing the same to you. So all these women all went to Potiphar and they said to Potiphar together, we all had this situation happen to us. Every single one of us had a situation in which Yosef came up to us and tried to be together with us. Every single one. Potiphar got so angry. He immediately said, we're going to kill Yosef right now. And then Potiphar said, whoa, wait a second. We don't want to kill him, because remember, Asia Potiphar didn't want him dead. It was said, we don't want him dead. Let's keep him alive and throw him in jail. That should be enough. You don't want to waste your money. 
He's still your slave. You don't want to lose out on that money. So that's what he said. Why would you waste money like that? Potiphar was not convinced. He said, absolutely, he's going he's to be killed. He was so angry. He went up to Yosef, and as he goes up to Yosef, Osnas, either his daughter or Dina's daughter, his adopted daughter, goes up to him and says, let me tell you what really happened. Osnas was there. Osnas saw everything. And she said, this is what really happened. She said, it's not that. It's this. And once she told over what had really happened, at that moment, Potiphar calmed down and said, okay, obviously, again, we have to worry about the covet of your mother, so we're going to throw him in jail, but they didn't have him killed. And again, that goes with whoever Osnas was, whichever person Osnas was, that goes with. And that's Medrash number three. Medrash number four. The Miamloes and the Sefer Yasher brings it down. The Zleika accused Yosef as soon as her husband came home from the holiday party. And he got so upset, so angry, he started screaming at Yosef. And at that moment, he called on his servants and said, whip him. They took out these whips and started whipping Yosef mercilessly on the back of his body. Yosef said, screamed out loud. He said, Akarish Baruch what did I do? What did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I being whipped? And a miracle happened. An 11 or 12-month-old baby, depends on the medrash, an 11 or a 12-month-old baby got up and said, why are you hitting this innocent man? Everything they say about him is a lie. When they saw that miracle, an 11-slash-12-month-old baby speaking up in front of them, they realized, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This isn't something normal at all. They realized they had to cover it up and throw him in jail because of it, but they knew that Yosef Atzadik had told the truth. There is a way, I don't know who does it, I, I couldn't find it, who puts the 11-month-old baby is Osnas. But the years are a little bit off. Osnas would have been around four or five years old, if all of our numbers are correct. She should have been around four or five years old at this time. If Yosef is 17, Dina is 17, Dina was eight at the time she was with Shechem, which means she would have given birth at the age of nine. So she would have been around eight years old, Osnas, if that happened. For her to be an 11-month-old baby, something's off in the numbers. I can't tell you exactly what, but I don't think it's Osnas. I think that's a mistake that some people have made on this. But the Miyam Lois brings that down. The Medrash Tanchuma says even when he was in jail, Zleika still came to him and still tried to convince him to do something wrong. She went up to him. She threatened him. And she said exactly this. I will blind your eyes. And Yosef Atzadik said, Hashem pokeach ivrim. I'll throw you in jail forever. Hashem matira surim. Right? I will bend your body. I'll break your body. Hashem zokev kifufim. Every single thing that she said, he answered back with these brothels, one after the other after the other, and eventually got out of it. It's clear, though, no question about it, that Yosef remained there for many years. Either Potiphar forgot about him, or the system forgot about him, and he was a, you know, a slave that was thrown in jail that nobody cared about. In the end, he ended up staying there for a total of 10 slash 12 years. 10 years until the baker and the butler came about. And then 12 years when it finally happened, where he was released. The Tzorah Amor says 10 years before the next parak happened. He's the one that says the years that go all the way through. Okay, so now let's get into jail. What is this jail? Now, truthfully, it's weird. The word for jail throughout the Torah. Does anybody know? What is the word? Besasurim, right? Besasurim. That's what we call it, right? Besasurim, besasurim, right? And it's even used that word over here. It's the place, makom ha-melech asurim. And besasurim is normally used. By Shimshon, in Shoftim Perek 
they throw him in jail. They call it Beis Asurim. That's where he was thrown when he was caught by the Pelishim, thrown in jail. We also call it Beis HaKele. In Melachim Aleph, when they threw somebody in jail, it was Beis HaKele. That's something that's done. They also had the boar, the boar Hayavain, the boar Hatit, that they threw Yirmiya into, Yirmiya Anavi into, at the end of Yirmiya, when he was being accused by Tzipki Melech of saying lies, etc. There's also Beis HaKele. But you have those words, Beis HaKele, Beis HaSurim, they're used. Beis HaSohar? What is Beis HaSohar? What does that mean? What is Sohar? What does that mean? Where does the word come from? It's really a crazy question because especially because of the wording of the Pasuk. They put him in the Beis HaSohar, Makom Asher Asiri Amelech Asurim, call it Beis HaSurim. It's weird, right? Why call it Beis HaSohar? Yeah. Sa, sa, you mean with sin resh. Even if the samach and the sin are interchangeable, the hay throws you off. Why would it be that? And why would it be called that way? So the Ibn Ezra says it's not a Hebrew word. It's an Egyptian word. Now I tried looking it up, by the way, if so hard, and it comes anywhere close to jail. I did see what they call jail is warwi, something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but it's not so hard. But again, ancient Egyptian could have been different from what we have nowadays. I have absolutely no idea. But it is weird. The Ibn Ezra says it's close to an Egyptian word, right? And the Torah sometimes does that. For example, throughout Esther, right? We say, the Bnei Haramachim Ha'achash Jeronim Hipil Pul Vapur Huagorol, right? There are words that are used in other languages that describe something in Hebrew that everybody knows, that everybody sees completely. And that's the Ibn Ezra. The Ramban says that doesn't make any sense to him. Yosef was put, not put in a regular jail. He wasn't put in a regular jail. He was put in the base Hasohar. Now, we said this before, but it's really important to understand this. This was a jail for dignitaries. You guys know, like, there's blue-collar crimes, there's white-collar crimes, right? There's different jails for each person. We know that there are different jails that we have, even in America. We have certain people that go to certain jails, certain people go to other jails, right? There's just, there's different types of jails that people have. Says the Ramban, this was for dignitaries. These were for people that annoyed the king. Yes, they were you know, separate from everybody else and that you couldn't talk to these people. You don't want to talk to the people who have something against the king. But nonetheless, it's a jail where you're allowed access. They weren't closed off in like tiny little rooms and being thrown against the wall with like the chains, you know, stuff like that. That's not what they were. These guys were allowed access to everyone and everything in the jail itself. That's how Yosef Atzadik met the butler and the baker 10 years later. He was allowed free access. They were all allowed free reign. They walked around the jail, says the Ramban. It was just a holding cell until they ended up going to the Beisden to get judged. That was the idea behind it. It was that for all that. Yosef didn't belong there because Potiphar was not a king. But Potiphar was important enough that since he wanted Yosef to be involved, he put him inside this jail. So that means this is not a Beisua Surim, a normal area where you put people that you want to jail. It's not a Beisua Kele, where you have people chained to the walls, right? And I, I, I don't know, the only thing I can think of is like, in Aladdin, the old one, I don't know if it's in the new one, where he's like chained, he's got those chains up against the wall itself, right? That's the only thing I can really think of. That would be Beisakela. This is not that. This is something totally different. Mina Shamayim, you have to meet the butler and the baker. He was placed in an open area. Now still, what about the word? Why is it called Sohar? Where does the word Sohar comes from? So the Redak says it's from the word Agan Hasar in Shirashir, which means a roundish area, which means that this area, this jail, was a round area where they lived. Okay, that's fine. That works, right? A roundish area. Sahar, therefore, means round. Says the Ramban himself, Sahar comes from the word Sihara. 
Sihara is the moon. Why the moon? Why that moon? So he says, this was a pit. It was a large pit. But they made a pit, and they would put people all the way down inside there, and it would move like inside the walls of the pit. There were little areas for them to sleep in, right? And the area on top was their only access to light. And they had the sun, obviously, when it streamed through, and the moon when it streamed through. He says that the idea behind Sihara is like Sohar on the Teva. That Sohar was their source of light on the Teva, and so to Sihara, as in the moon that was right there. Since it was their only source of light, the whole pit was called Base Hasohar because of it. Base Hasohar is the area of jail that only was lit up from the moon and the sun as it came about, and it might have been round as well. Agan Hasohar, that's the shot behind it. And the Rabbin Bakaya says that was the difference between the two jails. This one had light. The jails that they had otherwise had no light whatsoever. It was just a closed pit where they put something on top and they basically let you die. And that's what you were put inside. It was a lime pit with no way, no access to anything there. And therefore, Beisah Surim is where you were closed off forever. Beisah Sahar is where you at least had the light of the moon, the light of the sun that was given to you over there. It's an interesting line. The Otzer Plos, the Torah, quotes the Torah's Barnash. I don't even know what that is. I have no clue. It says, this is a jail that was used for temporary holding. As we said before, it was a holding cell. Normally, people were there for a month or two. You've heard of holding cells, right? They have certain areas. It's not a real jail. It's a place where you put somebody until their judgments were decided. Because of that, they called it like the moon. You were there for a month. Got it? You were there for a month. A Sihara. And in other words, that's what it was. It was a base Hasor. You were there for a month, maybe two months. And that was it. Nobody stayed there forever. Yosef at Sadik stayed there for a long, long time. The other places they said are called Mishmar. Mishmar because they need guards. They need to be guarded because there were people that are going to be there forever. This was a temporary holding cell. And that's why it was called Sihara. But Yosef at Sadik was left there for that long. And by the way, it makes a ton of sense. The butler and the baker were thrown in jail right before their court proceedings. Yosef Atzadik heard what they had to say and told them what, their, what was going to happen, but they didn't go to court yet. That's what it means. It's a holding cell. It was a holding cell for that time, and that's that, and that's why it's called Tiara. He also brings down from a safer, Nachal Adonim, that the moon is in charge of Makom Beisasurim. I, I don't even know what that means. I, I honestly no clue. That the moon is in charge of the people in jail and all of jails themselves. I, and that's why it's called Beisasor. Obviously, I, I, I kind of like this a little bit better, but it's weird. Sihara is an Aramaic word. Why in the world would the Egyptians use an Aramaic word to refer to their jail? And if you say, well, we're tra- translating, we're taking the Aramaic word and using it in the Torah to describe it, why would you use the Aramaic word for a jail in Egypt? I, it just doesn't make any sense. The only thing I have on this is there is a great medrash. Did you know that Rekayon, the original Paro, may have been from Bubble? There's a crazy medrash that Rekayon ended up coming to bu- from Bubble. He was looking for a job. And the Mitzrayim, whatever the king was in Mitzrayim, was always gone. He was never there. He was there for only a few weeks out of the year. Right? And he would judge cases and then we'd go out and nobody would see him. Nobody would be anywhere near here. So Rekayon went to the marketplace in Egypt, right? And he tried selling something, but he couldn't get there because no, he didn't know the ways of the land. So people kept stealing from him. He lost this and that and the other. After the day was done, he, was, he lost everything and he didn't know what to do. He was crying in his sleep. He was so hungry, he didn't know what to do about it. So the next day, he came up with a plan. He went to the cemetery. He hired 
five guys, like five really strong guys, and he stood by the cemetery, and when somebody came to go bury their dead, and remember, in Egypt, you respect the dead, you know, they were the tremendous cover for the dead. When they came to bury him, he said, I was hired by Paro that you have to pay a tax in order to bury your dead. They said, what? When was that? When did you make that? When did Paro make that up? He knew that you couldn't access Paro. There was no way to talk to Paro, right? Whoever the king was, the king of Mitzrayim. So he said, yeah, you're supposed to pay me. So they ended up paying him, right? He then paid his guards, right? And the next day, other people came, and he, they paid him again. And then the next day, and the next day, very soon, Rekayim became one of the richest men in all of Egypt, men in all of Egypt, because everybody had people that had to be buried. He was in charge of the burial. They all believed in it, and they thought it was from Paro. When the wouldn't king... The king have, wouldn't have Paro heard of it? So the king of Egypt, the king of Egypt was always gone. He came back... As soon as he came back, the people went up to him and said, when did you make this tax to, you know, about cemeteries, etc.? He said, I never made this tax. Show me this guy. Ray Kalyan was a smart guy. He sent tremendous gifts over to the king because he's super rich. He sent crazy gifts over to the king. He had saved up just for this time, gave over all these gifts to the king. And Paro Greb, when the king of Egypt saw all these gifts, he immediately was like, his heart melted. He's like, oh, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> maybe the taxes are a good thing, right? So he calls over and he kind of said, I never meant to do it. I did it for you. All of our money, all of my money is only going to you, right? And the, the king of Mitzrayim said, you know what? From now on, you're going to be in charge when I'm gone. It didn't take very long for Rekhaim to start a coup, destroy the previous king of Mitzrayim, and appoint himself as the successor to the Egyptian kingdom, right? That he was the one in charge from that point on. And yes, according to the Medrash, he might have been called Paro for that reason. Paro is in paying, as in something that's parua, something that was paid for him. I have absolutely no idea. If that's true, then he was technically Aramaic. So the jail of the king, who was from Bavel, may have been an Aramaic word, Besasor. But I have no idea why else the Ramban says that it would have been Sihara more than anything else. And Hagionis Akershuni seems to say the same thing as well. If you look in the Pasuk, the word Asire Hamelech Asurim, Asire Hamelech is written with a vote. Of Asure, but it's pronounced as Asire, as if it's a Yud. Why is that? He says, because this was not a typical jail. People walked around, people talked to each other, they were allowed to do whatever they needed to do. There weren't people languishing in jail, they were all around, right? Even Potiphar found himself down there often consulting with Yosef and asking his opinions, as we said before. And therefore, it wasn't a regular jail, and that's why it was spelled one way and pronounced the other something totally different. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says Yosef sitting in jail is a hint to us when we're in Gullus, right? Think of it as a massive pit that America is, right? Think of it as a massive pit and that we're sitting in Gullus and that's what it refers to. We daven on Rosh Chodesh, we'll be davening Yale V'yavo. Yale V'yavo V'yagia. Yale V'yavo is bring us up. Let us get out of this pit and bring us back to where you want us to go, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can lift us out. Just like the Shechina was with Yosef while he was in jail in Mitzrayim, so too the Shechina is with us throughout our entire Gullus. Wherever we go, the Shechina is with us. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. But the Shechina is with us. When we feel like we're in darkness, chained down in this Gullus of ours, Yosef Atzadik was in a dark pit with chains. I know that goes against what we were just saying. But the concept of being stuck in a jail without having anywhere to go. Our captors sometimes favor us, as they did for Yosef. Sometimes we become successful when we're in jail. Yosef was the king of the jail, 
right? He was doing so well in jail, just like we sometimes can take over whatever country we're in. We have the abilities, we have the power, we have the, the, the wherewithal to do whatever we need to do to be successful. And eventually, Yosef made his way out. But unfortunately, as we know, two years were added at the end because it wasn't ready after 10 years. He needed another two years, and maybe chas v'shalom, that's what's happening to us in our gullus. Maybe the time for us to leave gullus was already, but we had years added to us because we didn't do the right thing. Even when we have a silly pandemic, we still can't make the right decisions. We still make the wrong decisions. Kodesh Baruch was clearly showing us something, and we're not getting the lessons that we're supposed to learn, so we're thrown in gullus and being treated again and again and again years added on to what we should be, maybe that's the idea behind it. But just like Jael refined Yosef's character and made him a better person and a future king of Egypt, our end result, says the Ravina Bahaya, is that we will become better people, refined people, and we will be the kings of the world after our gullus is over. Isn't that beautiful? What a Rabbeinu Bahaya, Ravigdor Miller adds on something. So too, just like Yosef was accused of doing something that he never did. So to Engolus, we have things happening to us that we're not, what did we do? The blood libels. Remember the blood libel stuff that you hear about that happened to our, our parents? The pogroms and all the horrible things? The accusations of, of Jews drinking Christian children blood on Pesach, and making their matzahs out of them. Ridiculous stories. We have four lavin in the Torah not to drink blood. Why in the world would we do such a thing? It's the craziest thing in the world, and just that. Yosef Atzadik was thrown in prison for it, and unfortunately happens to us as well. You should know, by the way, there was a story. Oh, I wish I remembered. I would have looked it up. Um, there was a story about a, a guy who went up to a certain rav in, in Europe. I can't remember if it was the brisker of the Marl Diskin. It was one of the rubs around the area of brisk and he said to him you know rebbe where do we get uh, the extra ingredients and the rebbe was like what are you talking about he's like you know the extra ingredient for the matzah the rebbe's like what? it's flour and water what else what are you talking about and he's like come on rebbe we both know we're talking about the blood and the rebbe was like how in the world could you ever think that way the guy was in amaritz he had absolutely no idea so he brought him over to the place where they did the matzah. He's like, this is it. Chas v'sholem. And he brought him over to a shoal. Took out a safer Torah. Put it in his arms and said, I swear by this holy Torah that we have nothing to do with that blood. Nothing to do with that blood. It's so crazy. The accusations are not just from the non-Jews. Elena Shabach says one time there was a man in Brisk who informed on the Beis Alevi to the government. Beis Alevi, the Rav Yashaber Salavechik, Rav Yashaber Salavechik, the great-grandfather of Yashaber Salavechik of YU. Rav Yashaber Salavechik, the Rav was thrown in jail based on this guy, what they ended up telling the government on. When the Rosh HaKahal was allowed to visit him, the Rosh HaKahal, the person who was in charge in Brisk, he was shocked to see the Beis Alevi looking like he was in the middle of Second Seder. He was in the middle of Seder in yeshiva. His face was shining. He was learning and sitting in jail, languishing in jail. He said, what difference does it make, he said to the Rav, whether you're here or you're in Shul, wherever you are, the Shechina is clearly with you and your Kedusha shines forth. Rabbi Huda laid fine, dying of Slanim. says, a Kaddish Baruch who promises us, Behold Sarasam lo Tsar. It's lo is in Lamed Vav. In all of their pain, God is with us. But it's also lo Tsar, Lamed Aleph. As long as we know, God is with us in our pain. As long as we know, it's not really pain. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu can take us out of anything, and we have the ability to find ourselves in the best situations, no matter what things have happened to us in our lives. Then Itziv goes on the last part of the Pasuk. Vayihi Shom Bebeisa Sohar. He was there in jail. What do you need to say that for? Obviously he was in jail. He was just thrown in jail. Vayihi Shom Bebeisa Sohar. He was sitting there in jail. So then Itziv says, he was sent to jail to never get out. Putif are never meant to get him out. This is not a temporary fix until his case was brought, even though he was brought to a holding cell. No, he was never going to have hope for parole. There was no way he was going to get out. He didn't know that he was sent there. But this was Potiphar's original idea. When he sent him there, he never meant for him to get out. He didn't want the word out. He didn't want to see Yosef ever. He wanted to have Yosef for himself, but he never wanted to deal with Yosef outside ever again. Yeah, Matthew. If, if, if that was the case, why did he get sent to a temporary holding cell where he could run into the butcher and the you know, people before him? Seemingly, he didn't. He, the way Potiphar looked at it is he's not in jail itself where there's other jailers and he could still have access to him. Right? He would still be able to talk to him. But, again, on the other hand, he's in a place where nobody gets to go in because it's the king's jail. And nobody talks to people who are in the king. I'm sorry? Why does he care to still be able to talk to others? That's what we said toward the beginning, because he still had his monetary issues. So he wanted to make sure that he was still available. But Potiphar never meant for him to gather. It was never meant for him to ever come out. The Aksad Kabbalah says these words indicate... The words, that something great was going to happen to him. You know, like in certain literary times, you have something like, you know, like, and just wait until that time came, right? The very, very end, like that almost like dramatic line, he was sitting there in jail, and guess what happened? It's sort of like leading into the next parak, the next idea of the butler and the baker. Like this is the reason how he became the posi- put in the position of being king of Egypt. But there are other amazing lessons to be learned here. The Shach says this shows how Yosef accepted his din with happiness. He understood, look, this stinks. I'm 17 years old, 18 years old when he's thrown in jail. And he had to be in jail for the best years of his life, 18 to 30. 18 to 30, those years where he's still young and vigorous and he wants to do things, he wants to be out there, and he's thrown in jail and he can't do anything. But Yosef Atatik understood it's all Mina Shemaim. He truly believed it. You know what he understood? He said, you know what? Maybe the next Nisayan with Ashes Potiphar was Leica, I wouldn't have passed. Maybe I wouldn't have passed it. Hashem is putting me here for a reason. I accept that. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be this. And every day he got up and he said it. Until the end of the 12 years is a different story. But for 12 years he accepted. But Yisham Babesasor, he said, I'm here. I'm here. This is what I have to do now. Rabbi Victor Miller says, Hashem wanted to put Yosef through trials to elevate him to become a king. You don't just become a king. You become a king after trial and error, after Yisurin. That's how you know what it's like to be a king, to truly appreciate what a Kaddish Baruch gives you. Says Rabbi Victor Miller, being placed in the king's prison was dangerous. Most people there are sentenced to death. They have nothing to lose. They don't care about anybody else. They'll do anything. Nonetheless, this turned out to be his salvation. Because it ended up being people knew who he was. The butler knew who he was. And that's how he was called out for that. It was something that brings you greater fortune. Sometimes when we find ourselves in those positions, we wonder, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put me here for what? There's a lesson. We just don't know it. We have no idea yet. The Belzareba said Yosef understood what his job is in this world. Bring Kedusha to the lowest levels of society. He understood that. So he said, what's the difference if I do it in Potiphar's house? If I do it with the Shvatim, or if I do it in jail while sitting inside a pit, 
My job is to bring people the ore, the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu when they need it. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it. Says the Belzer Rebbe, in a place of pure darkness, he brought people hope. Maybe only those who deserved it, not the baker, because the baker... <laughs> very good, Dave. Very, very good, Dave. Yeah, maybe he was. Maybe he felt that's exactly what I needed to do. He brought that light in there. When they lost everything, when they lost everything, he knew what he had to do. That's the lesson to take out from your first selves, to always feel like we have hope. There's a reason why Kaddish Baruch Hu put us here. And usually it's to bring, to bring light and miracles and happiness and hope to those who have less than what we have. There's an Adaris Eliyahu here from the Ben Ishchai that's beautiful about the Remez over here, this idea, but it's a little bit long. In fact, says the Kedushas Levi, says Rebbe Levi, if you don't think Yosef could have gotten out of it, of course Yosef could have gotten out of it. Again, we said before, Mitzrayim is a civilized nation. Yosef was accused falsely. There was zero on the part of Ishpotifar. Ishpotifar tried planting something on him and she got nailed, right? She, she, she tore his clothing and the clothing was torn. It was clear that Yosef didn't do anything wrong and he had proof, he had absolute proof. He had a baby or Osnas saying what had happened to him, using all those Midrashim, say all of them happened. He had so much proof. How in the world did he not get himself out? And the answer is, Yosef understood that certain times when things go a certain way and it's clear that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is putting you in a certain place, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's fair or not, and maybe it's not fair, it doesn't matter. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you in a certain area, that's where you're supposed to be. And I know that says like, wait a second, but my Ishtadlus, shouldn't I try to get myself out of jail? Shouldn't I push myself to get out? Shouldn't I be doing something in order to make sure? Says the Kiddush Slavi, sometimes if a Kaddish Baruch Hu is clearly showing you this is where you're supposed to be, then that's where you're supposed to be. And Yosef understood that. He understood it. It's the idea behind Nachum Ish Gamzu. You don't think Nachum Ish Gamzu, when he brought in that treasure to the Roman emperor and it was filled with dirt instead of jewels, you don't think he could have said to the, the Caesar, look at the Caesar and say, you think I brought you dirt? You think I'm an idiot? Why do you think this happened? Somebody obviously stole the jewels from me and put in dirt instead so I wouldn't notice. I, I, it's not my fault. What was I supposed to do? And what does Nachumish Kamzu do? Does he excuse himself? Does he say, no, 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 I'm so sorry. This is not what I meant. You have to understand. Why would I have done this? No, instead he looks at the Caesar and says, Gamzu Litova. What kind of crazy person does that? What are you, nuts? Give an excuse. Get yourself out of it. But Nachumish Gamzu understood at certain points, you can't excuse it if it's crazy. If it doesn't make any sense at all. How in the world did I not notice that the jewels were taken out and there was dirt instead? How did I not notice that? Who would, if you had a, tr a treasure box filled with jewels, wouldn't you check it every three seconds? Every three seconds! Why in the world would you go to an inn and not check it before you leave? That's crazy. Nochomish Gamsu understood. He didn't. And he didn't know why. And then he came to the Caesar and he opened up and he saw the dirt. And he's like, that's strange. But clearly Akadosh Baruch Hu wants this. Any Ishtadlus that I do now is just ridiculous. It's clear that a Baruch Hu put me in this position for me to be here. And that's the idea behind it as well. Yosef Tzadik said, of course I can have. This is ridiculous. I'm accused of nothing and I have all the proof on my side. But that means that Baruch Hu clearly wants it to happen. And he sat there and had that be talking that a Baruch Hu knew what he was doing. An unbelievable line from the Kedushas Levi. And that, says Yaznayim Latorah, and this is what we'll end with, is the secret to Yosef's success. It's in the final words of the Pasuk. He knew it was unfair and unjust, but it didn't matter because that's what a Baruch wanted. Whatever Yosef was, 
whether he was at home or in Potiphar's house or in jail, he did his utmost to help everyone have what they need and be successful in everything they did. Because of that desire, he was always successful and people liked him. Because he just wanted to help. He just wanted to be a good person, trying to do the best that what he did for, and they respected him for it. That is an unbelievable important lesson for us to learn. People like you because you understand what your role is in life, what you're supposed to do, and how to be that person who's out there. You want to be a shliach in a way. A person who's out there doing what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you at every single, every single point of your life. Shkai, everyone. Have a good Shabbos.